This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Four, you are on in your face on 3CR with James. Heard the yeah, yeah, yeahs in there with sacrilege. Got a guest on the line. Adam Pulford is the Greens candidate for Wills in the upcoming federal election, and he is a proud member of the LGBTIQ community. Welcome back to In Your Face, Adam. Thanks for having me. Great pleasure. Let's start with a big current issue. The Senate committee report into religious schools was released recently. What's your position on what the parliament should do from here on to deal with this issue? It's a tricky situation right now because this issue has been on the cards for a long time. In our federal anti-discrimination laws, they've had exceptions for religious schools and organisations to allow those schools to fire or not hire people because they're queer and to expel or not accept students because they're um, LGBTIQ+. So the issue's been around for a while, but it came to a head last year when the Ruddock review was was leaked because the recommendations there suggested that we should entrench those that right to discriminate against queer teachers and staff and students in, into our law uh, deeper than it already is. There was massive public outcry about that, rightly so. Why should religious schools or organisations be able to fire you just because of who you are or because of who you love? And... The outcry was so much, I think 74% of Australians said that that's not right, our laws shouldn't allow that, that even Scott Morrison said he would change the laws to stop students being expelled because they're gay or they're trans. There was the heat of the Wentworth by-election coming up, which Wentworth is a North Sydney electorate. It's kind of a socially progressive liberal electorate. That's the one that eventually went to Karen Phelps. But in the lead-up to that election, he committed to taking action. The Greens were saying, let's act now while the pressure is on the Liberals to actually get this done. Labor agreed that the law should be changed for students, but unfortunately nothing happened. And we've got ourselves into a situation where the status quo remains. People can still be expelled or fired because of their sexuality or their gender identity. Adam, do you um, call on uh, the government and Labor, if it's elected, to amend the Sex Discrimination Act and the Fair Work Act? Uh, together to deal with this issue. We had Alistair Laurie on the show last week and he was saying that would be ideal. Mm. Yeah, and it's been a long-standing Greens position to remove the right to discriminate um, against queer people um, just because of who they are. I think the reality is right now, given the this kind of stalemate that we're finding Parliament in, it needs to be taken to the election. And the way we can get movement forward is if we hold all political candidates and all political parties to commit ahead of the election that they will act on this issue, they will remove that right to discriminate, um, meaning that when the next parliament's formed, probably sometime in mid-May, um, we can finally put an end to that discrimination. Switchboard has lost its funding for its out-and-about program. Of course, uh, it has volunteers that visit LGBTIQ elders in their home and provide that social support and contact. Uh, what can you do as part of your campaign to lobby the government to restore the funding? Will you make any commitments in that regard? Yeah, the Greens would easily say we should restore that. I think it's $310,000 for such an important program. I think on the day that 
switchboard announced that a third of its funding had been cut for the Out and About program. The federal government, Scott Morrison, announced $6.7 million to glorify the start of the possession of Australia from First Nations peoples with a fake ship trip of Captain Cook's journey was going to extend to places that he didn't actually even go. But if we can spend $6.7 million on something on glorifying something that didn't even quite happen like that, we can afford $310,000 for an important program that reaches out to elderly LGBTIQ people in Victoria um, who need that support. Would you commit uh, to writing to Ken Wyatt, the relevant minister, to restore switchboards funding for Out and About? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I think the more people that get involved making calls out in the public and getting people to sign um, a petition or, or write to the relevant minister, the more we can have an impact. So I will join that. And there are campaigns around the nation from sex worker groups for the decriminalisation of, of sex work. What's your position on that? Do we need uniform laws around the country? And is there a role for federal intervention in that regard? Look, it, it, I think it would probably be a tricky area because I'm sure it would be um, in the criminal code for each state. But I think the Greens' position is to decriminalise sex work. Sex workers, like all workers, should have um, their rights protected. Um, and I think um, I haven't considered whether uh, a federal approach could, could help. I know that um, it might be difficult, but um, uh, if, if it's useful, I'm happy to look at that as well. The Greens have had a rocky relationship with sex worker groups as a result of uh, the campaign by Kathleen Maltzahn and their strong campaign against her at the last state election. Um, what would you say to, to reassure LGBTIQ sex workers that might be listening about your personal position on sex work? Uh, yeah, I understand that uh, Kathleen uh, has a different personal position to the Greens Party policy, um, but um, I stand with our, our Greens Party policy, sex workers' rights, uh, workers' rights, human rights, and uh, I'll stand um, with the community in fighting for their rights. Your Labor candidate or opposition, if you like, the current sitting member is Peter Kalal. How would you rate him on LGBTIQ issues? Uh, look, to be honest, I haven't heard much from um, from Peter on queer issues. It uh, doesn't mean that he hasn't been speaking about it. I just haven't seen him um, speak up about it. Um, uh, the way I see it is this election, we have a chance to elect a progressive queer person for the seat of Wills, which is the suburbs of Brunswick and Coburg and Pascovale, up to Faulkner and Glenroy and Oak Park. There are a number of openly queer people in our federal parliament already, but unfortunately um, a bunch of them are on the conservative side of politics. And I think um, when marriage equality went through in, at the end of 2017, which was a, a huge win for our community and I think for Australia more broadly, I think that kind of stopped uh, the momentum for uh, reform and equality for all queer people um, in our federal parliament. So I, I think this election is a chance to elect somebody who is um, out and um, proud, proudly queer. I'm a gay man, um, but I think that there's so many, uh, so much more we need to do to stop the discrimination of every single member of our community, particularly trans and gender diverse Australians who suffer. Um, much higher levels of discrimination and violence. Um, I had a, a, a trans woman um, 
approached me yesterday and, and she wanted to share her experience of life with me. And I'm a cis um, white gay man. And uh, with that, I know comes a lot of privilege. I, I grew up in Darwin and I grew up in a uh, Christian family. So uh, it took a long time for me to come out and feel comfortable with my sexuality and, and who I am. Um, but I know that I walk through the world with a level of privilege that um, trans and gender diverse people and um, queer people of colour um, don't don't share those same privileges. And uh, there's much more that we need to do, whether it's through legislative reform to remove discrimination from our laws that, that still persists, to actually electing leaders to champion every single member of our community um, because of our diversity, because we're queer, because we're trans or gender diverse or gay or lesbian or bisexual, because... It's that diversity of our community that makes all of our lives more interesting. We all belong. We're all valid. And for far too long, we've had a bunch of leaders who are too willing to divide us based on our gender identity, our sexuality, our race or religion um, in, an order, in an attempt to distract us from what's really happening, which is far too many of our politicians currently act in their own self-interest or the interest of their big corporate donors rather than us, our community, our public interest. Speaking of big corporations, of course, Adani was a huge issue for the Greens during the Batman by-election. Will that be um, a big focus of your campaign in Wills, and are you worried that it might not work considering what happened in Batman with Jed Carney? Yeah, look, I think the Batman by-election was... Um, there, there was a number of issues at play there. I think uh, it's been really exciting to see... Um, the Stop Adani movement across the country just continue to grow and grow. I think the more people that hear about it um, realise that this is not the time to build brand new mega coal mines. Right now, we have 12 years to start phasing out coal and that means keeping coal in the ground. That means stopping Adani and all new mega coal mines. Um, for us in Wills, it's going to be a key part of what we run on because Climate change is hitting us hard. We've had the hottest summer that we've ever had on record. We found that out yesterday when, when summer ended. We've also had flooding in Queensland. We've had ancient forests in Tasmania that have never burned before. They've gone up and gone up in flames. And uh, we've had a third of the flying fox population die in extreme heat waves. Climate change is hitting us now, and we can't afford not to make that an election issue. Um, will that so be I'm the biggest like, issue during your campaign? Will you, will you focus on climate change as your primary issue in Wills? There, there's a bunch of issues that I'll be championing, but one of them is, yes, the, the climate crisis, the climate emergency. The second is that inequality, economic inequality in Australia is at a 70-year high. So while our world is burning and we're feeling the effects of climate change, more and more people are becoming homeless more and more people are being condemned to a life of poverty because our social security system is below poverty levels um, and because the cost of living is going up while wages are stagnating. So I think what we need is to talk about how both of these massive issues that are affecting every single one of us are interlinked and how our current lot of leaders, rather than doing anything to address these crises, they're too busy trying to distract us and divide us and keep going along with what their big corporate donors want them to do. What's your polling telling you about what's going on in Wills? What are the uh, red button issues? Look, I wish we could afford polling. <laughs> um, we are running a shoestring campaign. Um, we uh, don't have the money for polling, unfortunately. I know that um, 
we suspect it's, it's Labor that's done a bunch of polling in the electorate recently. We've heard that there's been two big polls done. And I think that says... Any leaks on, on what they found? <laughs> no, not yet. We know that polling's happening. We don't know the results. But to me, that says that Labor is feeling under pressure from the Greens. They know that our community wants action on the big issues. They know that our community wants someone who will fight for them and their values in our federal parliament. And more and more people are seeing that it's Greens politicians or Greens candidates that offer that kind of representation. So Labor feels under threat, but we are uh, significantly going to be outspent by Labor. So our campaign is focused on reaching as many people as we can, getting people involved in our campaign um, and asking people to reach out to um, their neighbours by door knocking, by calling people and having a one-to-one conversation about the issues that matter because we know that that's actually how you change votes. You can spend all the money in the world, but if you're not reaching out um, and having those conversations with people, um, you're not going to be as effective or persuasive as, as you need to be. You organised the Pink Wolves Rally in Melbourne a couple of years ago, highlighting the human rights abuses going on towards the queer community in Chechnya. Is that an issue that you will be taking up again? Uh, you've got to say, Australia's response has been pretty ordinary. Uh, will you be doing any work in that area if you are elected? Yeah, I think right now the way that we treat people who need help, we're, we're treating them with cruelty when what we need is we need to change our politics to one of compassion and one of empathy. Across the ditch in New Zealand, we have a prime minister there who is happy to talk about creating politics of empathy and people feel refreshed and relieved when they hear that. Here in Australia, we don't don't offer that kind of same approach to people who need our help. So instead of um, opening up our arms and saying, hey, if you're being persecuted because you're gay or because you're queer or because of any other reason... We can offer you a safe harbour. We're instead saying, we're going to lock you up on Manus and Nauru in these torture camps for years on end. I think... Just just, as, in, just in relation to that issue, there are, are queer people still stuck on Manus and Nauru. Uh, will you be taking up their cause if you're elected to Parliament? Of course. Like all Greens MPs, this is something that's dear to my heart. I think it's heartbreaking uh, what is happening under the name of the Australian government in Australia's name, where people are being left to rot, including queer people, are being left to rot and be tortured in these offshore camps. This is Labor and Liberal Party policy. Labor reopened the camps on Manus and Nauru. And they can say all they want about that they, that whether they care about people seeking asylum or refugees, but as long as they don't, as long as they refuse to commit to closing the camp, they're, they're committed to the torture of people who need our help. So... It's an urgent issue. Day by day, my heart breaks for the people that are stuck there, um, especially queer people who are even more alienated um, in those camps. Will you take that issue up publicly? Will you be saying, look, I'm a, I'm a gay man, there are queer people on, on the Ruin Manus uh, who, are, who are going through all this hardship? Uh, will you advocate for them specifically, for the queer people on, on Manus and Nauru? Uh, and... and do so as a, as a gay man to highlight that it's an issue. Yeah, I think I think I hadn't thought about um, talking about that experience, but I think that's a powerful way to talk about it. The reality is that um, it's not just kids that who needed to get off those islands. It's not just queer people. It's everyone. Everyone mm. there is suffering, um, and we need to close the camps as soon as we can and get those people to safety because for too long they've been tortured under the um, name of the Australian government. Adam, we're almost out of time, but give us a plug for your next fundraiser. 
Uh, yeah, so oh, the, the next big event we've got coming up is our Queers and Beers Politics in the Pub event. Uh, so it's not a fundraiser, but more it's a chance to bring queer people and allies together to talk about where to from here and end the fight to end discrimination and achieve equality for every member of our community. Uh, so Senator Janet Rice will be there with us. Um, it's at 6.30 on Thursday, the 14th of March, and it's at the Eddie Castle on Sydney Road in Brunswick. So um, there's a Facebook event up on my um, my Facebook page. I'm Adam Pulford. Um, check it out there. Come along. We'd love you to join that discussion. And will Jason Ball be coming along? The uh, the Greens are in a really quite interesting position where you have two out gay men running for electorates at the uh, federal election here in Melbourne. Will Jason be coming along and supporting your fundraisers and vice versa? Well, it's, uh, we're, we're old friends, Jason and I, but uh, it's hard running an election campaign and um, also crossing the river during the middle of an election campaign um, can be tricky. So uh, I'll invite him to come along and see if he, if he can make the journey across the river. But, yeah, we're supporting each other in, in our campaigns, I think. And um, hopefully, be... hopefully we'll get to see you both out on the hustings together, <laughs> uh, highlighting the LGBTIQ community during the election campaign. Adam Pulford, always great to talk to you. Let's not leave it so long. Next time, we'll have to get you back during the campaign proper. Thanks heaps for talking to me today on 3CR. Thanks for having me. Bye. Adam Pulford there. It is almost 4.30. You are on In Your Face on 3CR, and here's Stonebridge.
You're listening to 3CR Radio. Guatemala, I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore Black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2.
Sylvester there, Marty Real, 4.35, you are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge elders, past, present and emerging and uh, to point out that sovereignty was never ceded in this country. We have an emerging queer elder on the line and uh, one of the most talented painters I think I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, Peter Warples Crow. Peter, welcome back to 3CR. Thanks, James. Nice to be here. Hi to the audience. I hope everyone's having a nice afternoon. Now, every time I stalk you on Google, Peter, to do research before our interviews, I'm always struck by your amazing artwork, especially the dingoes that you paint. What is it about you and dingoes? What is it about oh, the dingo? I see it as an analogy of um, the queer Aboriginal. So the dingo is like a... It's not a protected species. Like Maybe on Fraser Island in certain parts of Australia, but mostly it's... It's got a checkered past, and it's seen as a marginalised native, our native dog. Yet it's hunted by farmers and other people who see it as a pest. So all those sort of words and feelings, I have often felt like that I'm not afforded the same rights because of my queerness. So I'm a native that doesn't have as many rights. So a dingo doesn't have as many rights as a koala and stuff like that. So I use the dingo as. Um, metaphor and an analogy for that. So that's why I use the dingo in my work, and I do love them very much, and I've always painted lots of um, dogs in my work for a long time, and I hadn't really worked out what they were meaning, but that's what they've come to mean to me. You're an absolutely prolific painter. What are some of your favourites um, hanging up around your house? Tell us about them. Well, I'm just doing a whole new series. I'm up in my little studio, and I'm just doing really catchphrase things. Like, there is one with the word outsider and then dingo. And um, it's for my show coming up in May. So, lockdown May at the Koori Heritage Trust in Federation Square. And I'm going to have a big solo show. And today I've been working on a collaborative 3D animation. So, Glenn, who I'm working with, an animator, came and scanned my whole studio. So... It's going to be quite fun. I'm trying to create queer dreaming story, but in 3D animus. They scanned your whole studio. How's that work? Well, it's just a really low-tech method of scanning using an Xbox camera or something like that. But you just and what does it scan? What does it scan? I mean, it sounds it a bit scans, scary. No, it just scans. It's a 3D image of the room. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it just made this, and it, you know, it. It's low tech, so it's sort of got little gaps and stuff, and yeah, it's not so perfect. And my work's quite low tech as well. Like I use a lot of collage, and at the moment I'm do- doing some transfer collages with um, gel medium and stuff. And I'm using a lot of text and imagery. But the whole show at the Curry Heritage Trust is called Inside Out, like the title of the Indigenous X article I wrote, and it's just about being out, having work from the inside. Coming from, because I was adopted out of the community as a baby, coming back to the community. So it's all about this inside out and um, being an insider and an outsider at the same time. So the whole show is going to reflect that. Yeah. Now, I did read that article in Indigenous X, and in that you said that you were known amongst your mob as as the emu. Tell yeah. us about that. What's, what, what's that about? Well, what my uncle? I met Uncle John, who's one of the knowledge keepers of Nariga culture. So, you know, for a long time I felt um, misplaced and I didn't have all the information, you know. I knew I was Nariga, but 
my journeys back to that country were really difficult. And there's a lot of the effects of colonization have gotten in the way. So, but luckily, I got to meet Uncle John. And so then he was giving people tribal names, but he had sort of visions for them. And the vision he had for me, I wanted the dingo really to be selfish. <laughs> and I thought that would have been the perfect. But he saw an emu on sitting on the egg, and on the eggs were all carved dingoes. So he gave me the name Nurin, which is the emu. And I really like the emu because it's a bit, the male emu, you know, raises the chicks and sits on the eggs and incubates the eggs. So there's a bit of a, you know, a gender-blurring role in that animal. So uh, away from the normal binary and stuff like that. So I'm really happy with that. So that's a bit of a, that information It's really exciting. And I've done a little self-portrait, but I've cut the emu out of an old Tom of Finland image and stuck it on with the word Nurin and it looks really good with a rainbow in the background. The country that you're from is known as the snow country. You're known as the snow people. It must be incredibly beautiful and it must give your mob a a, a unique kind of, you know, culture within Indigenous culture in Australia just because you you live in the snow. Yeah, it does. And um, I'm really proud to be the snow people because we're here. It's not a lot of the mob we hear about. You know, we hear saltwater people, freshwater people, desert mob. But we're like the snow mob, which makes us a bit unique. This, our sacred mountain, which is, you know, Mount Kosciuszko in, you know, in the colonizers' terms, but in ours it's, um, oh, no, no, the getting, um, can't, oh, my God. Anyway, I've forgotten now. Um, I had a brain snap. But oh, anyway, we anyway we've got a local number, and sacred mountain, and the story is, our creative being is called Biami, like down here it's Bunjil, but in our country it's Biami, who's the sky father. Kanama Namaji, that's what it's called. And yeah, a lot of, the story is that we all got created from the top of that mountain by Biami and stuff like that, and we set out across the country. So I'm using that sort of story in this 3D animation thing to like have some queer entity come from the stars and then create other queers on the landscape as well so i'm just playing around with lots of narigo stories i've been told and filtering them through my queer lens and my contemporary life and that's what i do with a lot of my art and i think i have messages like yeah i work for Solon harbour health as their indigenous engagement worker three days a week and as a health educator there and what we're trying to do in the community is do some lgbti inclusion training and make it the community more accepting of and tolerant and accepting of LGBTIQ mob, you know. So I work on a lot of fronts and I enjoy it very much. And my art's an extension of what I do and things I hear in the community and and lived experience, really, James. Absolutely. You wrote in Indigenous X that Indigenous cultures here in Australia need to make more room for trans and non-binary people. How do you think that issue is progressing in Indigenous communities that you're part of? Well, um, I can't speak. I'm not a trans person, so I'm cisgendered and have privilege because of that. But I think, you know, in the queer community, we, you know, when I go to meetings, we often use our pronouns, like he, she, or they, them, to open up the conversation. And it's the same with being cisgendered or transgendered. They're words that open up a conversation and say, yeah, I'm cis, you're trans, and um, you don't, you're not non-binary, so you're they, and... You know, they're, they're all new terms, but 
we probably might take them for a bit of granted in the LGBTI community. And I think that the broader Aboriginal community, we've got some work to do, you know, and taking some of those concepts into it as well. You know, I just think, like, traditionally, it's really strong men's business and women's business. And I'm not sure there's a lot of room in there for trans and non-binary people. How do you create I, that room considering, you know... Well, those... I think you do have to... We have to have conversations. I think the community are good at having conversations. And, look, I... What's the experience? I just feel like there's a bit of a a thirst out there in my work. And we're going to run a big LGBTI inclusion training in um, May for Aboriginal health workers and stuff. So it's just easy, easy and having conversations. But then also people can work towards things like the rainbow tick where they, they make their services more inclusive. And I think there's going to, it's just been sort of, there's going to be some opportunities for Aboriginal orgs to get that tick. And we don't have any Aboriginal orgs that ever have got that tick yet, that accreditation. So in, in more formal ways, that's the way to go. I mean, we had Kunga down here a couple of years ago, which is a gathering of, um, trans and gender diverse Aboriginal people, brother boys and sister girls. And that was a great opportunity to have a conversation. And in a couple of weeks, we're having another gathering, a roundtable for the Aboriginal LGBTIQ brother boys, sister girl community in Victoria to set some priorities. And, you know, good news is that we've become a priority population in the Aboriginal wellbeing plan and the Aboriginal mental health plan. So for the first time, we're actually written into the plans. Great. You know, things that people are thinking about us and um, including us. So that's, yeah, I think everything, it's things have changed in my time and things will keep changing. There's certainly more you know. queer Indigenous people coming out. That's what I'm finding. Oh. We had Trey Turner on the show, the uh, Indigenous drag artist, uh, on the yeah. show last week. And, you know, that was something that just didn't really happen 10 years ago. You know, young Indigenous people coming out and saying, I'm a drag queen. It happened, but not like it is now. He's They've got a whole heap of, of, of young drag artists. And I think that's saying a lot about how gender identity, but also sexuality as well, is changing within the Indigenous communities. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, look, I'm 53 and an older person, like an emerging elder. And, you know, I'm taking that role on because younger people are calling me, acknowledging me as, you know, uncle or auntie and... What's that I, like? Is that is that oh, kind of... Really tell me about it. Like, I guess in the mainstream you don't get that as much, but when young Aboriginal people start calling you uncle and uh, and then one, <laughs> one of the young queer people I know calls me ankle, like a combination of auntie and uncle, which I really like. And I don't know, it, it's, a, a real, it's a real honour, you know, um, that's happening more and more, and it must make you feel more connected to community. I, I, it really does, actually, and it makes me feel like I've had some impact. You know, like I come from outside the community, and I, I look. I was thinking about all this yesterday. I couldn't help, you know, when you're adopted or removed or stolen as an Aboriginal person or as any person, you know, yeah, you know, it's sort of a product of colonization and the system, and you get lost. And it, it's been a really hard and interesting road to come back and I think I talk about that in the article too you know, to community and I think it's really informed, it gives me a different perspective on it, you know, not being grounded in the community as a young person so, but it's very nice that yeah, I mean I took some kids for a mentoring art workshop which I'm going to do again this year, kids 
you know, from the Victorian Aboriginal Child Care Agency. And they just all referred to me as uncle when we had the art show. And, yeah, I think I think there was a non-Indigenous person who I knew really well. And she was sort of blown away because they'd seen me in my community and been sort of given that respect as an elder title, you know. And Do you remember the first thought, time it happened? Do you remember the first time someone uh, called you I uncle? I think it really happened a lot in that show. And I had someone witnessed it. You know, like I think I was at Boy two years ago and I was at the party and young Aboriginal people were calling me uncle and I don't know, you just step back and go, wow, you're your uncle. <laughs> but it's also really lovely, you know. It's like I'm not a decrepit old person. I'm, You know, it's a title that shows that people respect you and that you've lived and you've contributed something to the community. And, and it must feel very people, welcoming as well. Like when you go back to oh, country and to be lovely. called that, it must it must kind yeah. of immediately give you the sense that you're welcome. It must be like, like a, a signal, if you like. You're welcome. Yeah, look, it hasn't happened so much in my country yet because I, don't, I slip in and out of the country and I think, you know, I try to keep myself safe. You know, I come from a small country town, really, that is, you know, a bit homophobic and still a bit narrow-minded, even though it's got to be, you know, a lot of the people descend there from that are Aboriginal. So, you know, I have this... It sort of happens more in the community in Melbourne, and um, I think it's happened... Yeah, it's just been happening naturally in the last few years. So it's been interesting, and it just marks a change point in your life, you know, and I think it's really nice. I was talking to a more traditional elder... And I think I'm more like called a senior person in my in my own tribe. Um, I just don't haven't met a lot of you know super amounts of my tribe yet. You know, they actually it's been a tribe that's been emerging over the last while as well. You know, and people are coming out from a really colonised past and reclaiming their Aboriginality, and and it's really fun, nice to see. And I've sort of waited for that. That's what's kept me a bit behind because I've been waiting for my mob to emerge in a weird way. And you think, well, mob could emerge, but our story is that we disappeared for a while and now we're really back and strong. And, you know, meeting, you know, it's just beautiful to have met a knowledge keeper and what be about located language? Does, does Does your mob's language still exist? It's called, it's called Narigu, the language. So, And what what's going to happen, I've got a cousin, Jackie Choi, who's a professor in Sydney, and at Sydney Union, a linguist. So she's holding a little workshop, hopefully, fingers crossed, this month that she's inviting me to for a small group of people to start to try to revive the language. So that's going to be amazing as well. Well, reclaiming the language just means you reclaim the culture and it it helps you emerge because without language, you can't really emerge. No, I agree. And I think the language is going to be spoken a bit more. There's lots of word lists. There's still word lists of Narago culture. And, you know, they've shown in other places that you can put the language back together and um, have people speaking it. So hopefully that's on the future. You know, I was my journey back took me, at first it was like Rattery or Narago and then Narago Rattery and now I just sort of, it's just, yeah, being all Narago that I really identify with. So I've just been saying that. But it's just, there wasn't link up to, I don't know, it was just a really hard journey back. And, you know, undoing stuff, in yourself, and you know, I think the first part of my life was a queer journey. The second part was an Aboriginal journey, and the last bit's been the intersection of Aboriginal and queer, and what that means. You know, I want to make 
the community safer. I want to make for queer people. I want to make. There's too many suicides and stuff in our community across the country, and no one really knows how much of that is attributed to anyone's sexuality or gender choice, um, gender questioning, and stuff like that. So, you know, I think some of it would be, and we just have to make the conversations easier. I think sometimes we all live in the Melbourne bubble mm. and in the city, and someone said to me, like, we need to get out more, uh, don't we? Well, you do. It's so once, different out I there. To, I went to Gippsland, and it was really different, you know, like. There were, I'm not going to point to the orgs or chain them, but um, there were orgs that couldn't handle the word queer women and stuff like that. They freaked out, like Aboriginal health. And I thought, how, if you can't handle that sort of word, are you going to support someone who comes through your service? You know what I mean? And A young and person that's trying to come out. Yeah. like I think, man, we've got a bit of work to do. And it's the same with all the, the new, you know, HIV medications like PrEP and um, all the biomedical things and PrEP, you know, we've got to get messages out there for that community around that. And then we have to have conversations around LGBTIQ inclusion and stuff like that. So it's, I think it's all starting. So I think it will mean better. But we sometimes forget that you live in Melbourne and when you go somewhere else, you know, that people are feeling really isolated. I think after our gathering, we had an LGBTIQ gathering last year. And mostly people said they felt a bit disconnected from culture and a bit isolated. So that were the main issues people felt. And I guess we'll hone that when we meet again in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. um, Yeah, but it'd be nice for people not to feel so isolated and connect to culture. So hopefully, you know, the things I do help people along the way and they can identify with them. And I'm trying to be queer and Aboriginal and proud and... And do beautiful art. Peter, we we are going to have to leave it there. It's almost five o'clock. We're almost out of time. It's so great to chat with you. I just love your dingoes. I love your work. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out for your exhibition in May. Yeah, it's in May. Yeah. Uh, And thanks for chatting. We must do it again. All right. Thanks, Karen. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.